this week's episode of Bury the Lead. I'm one of your co-hosts, Free Press columnist Jen Spratty. And I am your other co-host, Free Press Multimedia producer Aaron Labar. And today on the show, we're talking all about avocado toast and rompums. See, I prefer brompers. I think we actually hate both. Jen. Yes, it's it's uh as we were saying before we went live as you do with microphones. Um this has been a bit of a week. Oh I'm gosh. Happy it's Friday. T G I F F. Yeah, it's been a bit of a month for me. I am just like drained of all energy and inspiration. And I'm very much looking forward to having a long weekend, but it's a blessing and a curse for us because of deadlines, right? Mm-hmm. So Always deadlines. Like, I'm super pumped to have three days off, but having a Monday off just, like, sometimes screws isn't worth it. over future me real hard. I so. know. It's sometimes not not worth it. And then I actually go on vacation for two weeks. Right. Um, after next week. So that's another... It's it's hard. It's just hard to get everything done. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, today we all woke up to the super tragic news that Chris Cornell, who is the front man of Soundgarden, is no longer with us. Oh, and, so uh, upsetting. I know. I was... Uh, one of those voices that you always expect to have around. Yeah. I was more into Soundgarden than Audioslave, but I always, uh, Chris Cornell and Soundgarden, and in particular two Soundgarden records, Bad Motor Finger and Super Unknown, were really important records to me as a mm-hmm. teenager and kind of discovering music and becoming a music fan. It's tough. It is really hard. And, you know, he was part of that sort of trifecta of grunge pioneers in Mm -hmm. in seattle with nirvana and pearl jam so it's really like a big blow to rock music history for sure well and there's not many of those guys left no and that's another thing where like a lot of those guys died very young and for him to now take his own life at 52 is surprising and very disheartening and there's a lot of great stuff being written obviously today or articles that have been posted um and just a little observation from me as a music fan and former music writer um uh, people obviously talk a lot about chris cornell's voice and Mm -hmm. how it's so primal and singular and there's very few voices in rock music that sound like his um but the other thing that i think is worth pointing out about chris cornell is that he was also a tremendous lyricist yes um so many of those songs um if you read i don't know if anyone reads liner notes or if this is super dating me but they read like poems mm-hmm. and he just his observational power about the world and just i'm going to get verklempt talking about this I know. but it's uh it's a really huge loss it so. is and i also forgot that he um wrote the theme song for the james bond movie casino royale i totally forgot that and someone posted it this morning and i was like oh man it's just so good and all his work with temple of the dog too mm-hmm. um that is also i often forget about that and then just with everything that's been written and shared today it's like oh yeah there, there's so many he had such a full career yeah so So, rest in peace chris cornell condolences to all friends family and music lovers alike i'm gonna lighten the mood a little bit on uh 
I'm Barry the Lead, although I feel like this is going to be an extremely ranty episode. <laughs> yes, it does have that feel about it. <laughs> yes, Sorry, guys. Like, like lightly simmering rage underneath <laughs> the, the surface. I think that can also do with the first segment and the fact that we're very stressed out and have a lot on our plates, but yeah. you guys will, will t- bear the brunt of it, I think, today. So rompims. Oh, God. Which is, I'm going to stop saying that word because I just say like, like man rompers. Let's just say rompers. Okay. First, I'm going to preface about what this is basically they're rompers for guys like if you want to wear a one-piece jumpsuit for children as women have been doing for like the last few seasons yeah I'd say. i don't remember when rompers really made a i would comeback. say probably like three or four years ago yeah like that seems yeah. right to me um but now they're being retailed for men mm-hmm I don't know how I, f- I mean, I'm, I am all for anyone wearing whatever they want to wear. Too. That's what I was just about to say. Like, I don't feel like any clothing item necessarily needs to be gender specific. No. And I feel like uh, guys are missing out when it comes to skirts in the summertime. Oh yeah, for sure. Minus the chafing. But the thing that bothers- The thigh rub is the only <laughs> tough part about skirts in hot good. weather. But you're free and breezy and yeah. who cares? My problem, and I think your problem is similar, yes. is the, why must we broify everything? Like, why does it have to be a romp him? I don't know. And But the thing, actually, the thing that bothered me the most was the fact that there is, like, a pee flap. Nah, that's not a romper. Right. You have to get naked to pee like the rest if of us. If you want to dress in a romper, you got to, yeah, get fully naked to pee. Like, you, you have to have do, all the inconveniences of wearing a romper. You got to do the bathroom stall shimmy like the rest of us. Exactly. Where you have to, like, get out of, like, basically, you have to bring this thing down to your waist. And, right. There's yeah. no other way to do it. Yeah. So I was a little annoyed that that they had the convenience of a P flap built into the model designed for men. Because we do not have the convenience of, of a P flap. We do not. But brofication. Yeah. So like the whether it's a romp him or a bromper, like and I've I've written about this. Last year I wrote a column about Father's Day cards mm-hmm. and like fragile masculinity right so and kind of there were so many examples that i drew upon in that column but what was trendy at the time was kind of like the like oh like i'm a man and i would like to enjoy a nice refreshing glass of rosé or sangria so we have to call it mangria or brosé no it's fine it's fine you can enjoy a glass of pink wine it's cool it's all right it's fine it's refreshing it's delightful enjoy it same with the man bun thing yeah it's just it's just a bun it's a bun it's just a bun it's it's good it's a bun like everything is for everyone we don't need to to bro it up we really don't last weekend uh in the saturday paper in the 49.8 section there's a big feature all about manitoba a big 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 feature. feature in fact if you looked on the website we now have these little things that tell you how long it's going to take you to read it. Usually they're like two minutes, three minutes. This one was 63 minutes. It's a, it's, it's big, but it, it's breezy because basically we were just all tasked with coming up. We had to come up with about 150 things because Canada is celebrating its 150th on July 1st. And then Manitoba just celebrated its 147th on May 12th. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just 150 things that make Manitoba that are unique to Manitoba, that make Manitoba special, that are defining of Manitoba. And they kind of ran the gamut from sunshine to socials. So it was kind of it was people, places, things. Yeah. And everyone in the newsroom uh, contributed, or I think we were supposed to all contribute. I'm not sure if that actually happened, but we contributed. Yes. Um, what did you write about? I submitted something on Winnie the Pooh. Yes, of course. Of course. Uh, although somehow that one kind of got added to the list rather late in the game. Uh, and I also wrote something about socials, but I think someone else did too. So they... 
combine them together. And then I also wrote something about, oh, I forget. I wrote, yeah, I know. I, it's funny when, and I think all of us can comment about how when you produce a lot of content. all of the paper, when you produce a lot of content, you can, sometimes like people will be like, oh, what did you have in the paper last week? But I have like, no I idea. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I wrote about Fred Penner because I'm kind of on the free press's Fred Penner beat. Apparently. Um, and Miriam Taves, mm-hmm. who is one of my favorite authors. Uh, favorite Manitoban authors, but also one of my favorite authors in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I wrote about the sky, which I know we can't claim as our own. Mm-hmm. The sky belongs to everyone. Yes. But I argued that the skies in Manitoba are very special just because we have, we can see them at all times. They're not obscured by towering skyscrapers. Or, or immense population. Uh, right. Or hills. Yeah. Or mountains. Yes. <laughs> which I know some people think it's a bad thing and that it's you know, boring to drive through the prairies, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I mean, anytime that there's a good sunset, take a look at Instagram because everybody is photographing. That's it. true. I remembered what I wrote you about. You remembered what you wrote about. Yeah. I wrote about obviously Manitoban contributions to music. Ah, uh, yes. Um, both past and the present, very vibrant music community right now that everyone I speak to who's not from here, who's familiar w- with our kind of industry that's happening here are always so surprised that it's not more well known Mm -hmm. how great the music scene is in Winnipeg right now. And then I also wrote about the sort of booming film scene in Manitoba and uh, how that's been sort of expanding in the last little while with all these features coming to film and, Mm -hmm. and how Winnipeg is one of those rare cities that can be transformed into almost anywhere else in the world. Like for sure it's been Chicago, it's been New York, it's been, you know, any number of decades when they were here to film that dog's purpose movie, mm-hmm. you know, it's Siberia for Keanu Reeves, you know, it can yeah. be, it can be anywhere, which is great for us in for terms sure. of business for sure. Yeah. It's uh, it's kind of nice sometimes to just have a giant list of things that kind of um, remind you of why it's so special to live here mm-hmm. because I think often the, and I don't know if anyone actually wrote a blurb about the Manitoba inferiority complex, mm-hmm. but it kind it's nice to see that that's kind of getting chipped away for sure at a bit. So, so now we just need to make a million copies of this and mail them to every other city in Canada just to remind them that we're still here and we're we exist. Best. Yeah. Um, we're also, if you look at the online version of that story, um, in the comments, if there's anything that you feel that we've missed oh yeah, or that you wanted to, um, add, uh, you can, so you can comment. Um, I believe there is an email address as well that people mm-hmm. can contribute to. So, and then I think there will be Eric's plans for a potential, uh, update. Down for the sure. Line. Yeah, I think so. Avocado toast. Oh, God. Okay, we're not really talking about avocado No, toast. no. It's just a representation of other things that make <laughs> us angry, really. And apparently it's also an avatar for millennials who are spending so much money on fancy avocado toast that they can't afford to they buy can't houses. Afford houses. This according to an Australian millionaire who launched a thousand think pieces with a comment saying effectively that. Um, yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about that story? I think it came out, what, last week? Or a few days ago. Yeah, basically this guy, his name is Tim Gurner. Um, he's a luxury luxury property developer in Melbourne, and he was on the uh, Australian version of sixty Minutes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he was just basically like he was implying that young people can't afford to buy property because they're spending irrationally, right, or and irresponsibly, so, I guess. And so twenty two dollar avocado toast. 
became his touchstone. Right. And for people who were around when Starbucks was kind of becoming a thing, um, the avocado toast is really the new latte. $5 latte. Yeah. Right. So it's just, it's whatever is sort of that Trend. generation's touchstone for frivolous expense. Right. Um, this makes you have me, things to say about I that. do. This makes me angry on so many levels. I mean, the sort of underlying point here is that millennials are lazy and irresponsible is basically the gist of his point. Because later on in the story or the segment, he said, you know, I worked super hard to be able to afford a house and be a self-made millionaire. I went to the gym at 6 a.m. and worked for 12 hours and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, first of all, not everybody wants to spend their life working 14 hour days just to buy a house like that is not a priority for a lot of people no one on their deathbed says gee i wish i worked more right second of all it makes me irate when people shit on millennials constantly to be quite honest and we're both in that age bracket and we've both worked our butts off our entire life like i've had a job since i was 14 went right into school went right into my master's degree from school went right into a full-time job and then when i worked at the free press i had a week off between jobs and during which time I moved countries as well. So like, I think both of us are in the same boat that we've never really taken any time off. And like you own a house. I do. So I have a mortgage. Right. Um, and I mean, obviously when we were saving for our down payment, like we ended up like my now husband moved into my Osborne village apartment, which was a steal. Um, and I don't know if that's the case anymore because when I was looking for a house, it was 2012, mm-hmm. so it was still it was a tight market, but yeah. it's just getting progressively worse everywhere for people who are trying to break right. into it. And when we were saving for a down payment, yeah, we had to budget because guess what? Millennials do, in fact, know how to budget. And in fact, right. millennials are saving quite a bit of money. And there's lots of evidence and research into that out there. Mm-hmm. And there's also lots of evidence and research into the so-called latte factor, which is basically what the avocado toast thing is about. Right. right. Is a myth. Because yeah. you know how many lattes, lattes that is? Like, you know how many lattes you have to drink to buy a house? Like, well, that's the thing. And now there's all these, if you look online, there's a bunch of hilarious calculators that people have made. Like, yeah. how many avocado toasts is a down payment? <laughs> right. It's a lot. It's a lot of toast. Um, and at the same time, too, I don't think I don't think the millennials that he is talking about specifically who he sees out at these cafes spending twenty two dollars on avocado toast. I really don't think they're doing that every day. I really don't think that it's a good barometer to sort of judge people for wanting to to spend money on themselves every once in a while. Like you can still save and still budget and then take that day one day a month or two days a month and treat yourself right like it's just everything about it just makes me so angry and whatever gets you through the uh, you know soul-sucking capitalist reality that you live in right that's fair if having a few lattes a week makes your life tolerable Mm -hmm. great and like i'm also that's worth it that's an investment in your mental health for sure and i'm also sort of you know in the next few years hoping to be able to buy a house i was having the discussion with my mom the other day, she bought her first house in Wolseley for about $35,000 in the 70s. Wow. Right. And then she kind of was said, well, but I also made a lot less than you do. And I said, well, you probably made about two and a half times less than I did. But that house is 10 times as much as it was or like eight times as much mm-hmm. as it was. So, you know, even accounting for 
for inflation. It just, it just doesn't work in our favor at all. Well, I think that the point that you made at the beginning of the conversation about how it's not a priority for a lot of people, it's not a priority for a lot of people. No, the, I, the sort of, um, North American idea of I'm going to own a home. I'm going to own a car. I'm going to, you know, sort of how you go through life, I think is changing for a lot of people. And I don't think that a lot of people necessarily care about owning, particularly people who live in larger centers where owning is impossible, basically impossible. Right. And, you know, I think that having a house is sort of just the largest indicator of how like culturally we're changing as well. Like Mm -hmm. not a lot of people aren't getting married. They're choosing not to have children. Instead, they're choosing to travel. They're spending their money in other ways and not necessarily investing in property anymore. So I think it's more, it's less of a sign of like a generational issue with saving yeah. than it is just a change in what it, what the ideal is. Yeah. I don't think that millennials are necessarily deficient when it comes to budgeting no. and saving. I would argue that we don't, I don't recall ever learning how to build a... Nope never budget in school nope um but there's a blog that i found that i would like to take the time to plug and maybe have this lady on the uh on the podcast sometime um but her name is desiree she has a blog called half banked Mm -hmm. and it's a finance blog for millennials and it's called half banked because she was able to bank half her income oh okay and uh she has a bunch of like spreadsheets and tools but what's really nice about her blog is it's very refreshingly written and it's very like yeah you're allowed to have your latte i'm drinking a latte right now like that's not right. that idea out of your head right. that it has to be sort of this i would like the advice all or nothing thing without right? the shame yeah, yeah. for sure because saving like anything else isn't all or nothing no all or nothing thinking is why you know diets for example don't work um so the same thing with budgeting when there's a focus on deprivation or Mm -hmm. you can't have this to achieve the goal like yes there's compromise of course but you don't necessarily have to cut and like diminish your quality of life extremely yeah exactly for our last segment as always we're going to talk about what we're reading watching and or listening to Jen, would you like to go first? I will go first. Um, I think for the last few episodes, I've been recommending books. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk about my other true love. Television. Television. Um, and it's so anxiety provoking when a new season of a series comes out. And I feel like everyone's already watched it. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking about Master of None. Oh, I haven't watched that yet. So you're good. Um, that makes me feel better. <laughs> um, but yeah, the second season just came out and it's a... Uh, Aziz Ansari's show mm-hmm. um, and got raves when the first season came out. People were just like, yes, this is the show we've been waiting for. It's so well done. It's so well written. It's funny. It's true to life. And uh, I agree. And the second season is holding up. Well, that's so good. Far, so sometimes they like because it was so popular the first season, I was a little concerned that they would kind of crack under the pressure, so to speak. But Well, and what I appreciate about Aziz, and we're on a first name basis because we're buddies. Um, <laughs> he actually did a few interviews talking about taking some time in between the first and second season because he wanted to go live his life a bit. Yeah. And just get, I mean, he mines a lot of his own life for content. For the show, yeah. Um, as 
most creative people do. Um, and yeah, he wanted to just go rack up a few new experiences to be able to write about. And it's, I think having, taking that kind of time mm-hmm. makes things better. So I can appreciate that. Yeah. We all would love time to make things better. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's for life. no kidding, but it's become, uh, it's become one of my favorite new shows. I'm looking forward to starting it. But as we mentioned off the top, been a crazy couple of work weeks and I have not had time for anything. But you are listening to something new. I am. Uh, I ventured into Harry Styles' solo <laughs> album. Harry Styles is formerly of One Direction. Mm-hmm. He is, I think, the first to release a full album. I know... Uh, oh, no, Zane. Zane was the first to release full album. And then the other guy, the Irish one... Niall, Niall, because his name is Niall. <laughs> the Irish one. Yeah, he released a couple singles in like a folk rock kind of um, genre, but Harry is kind of doing a more retro thing. And? I don't hate it. And I can, like his his influences at this point are very blatant. Like there's a lot of Mick Jagger, like Stones, a lot of Bowie, a lot of like California cool stuff from like the 70s, 60s and 70s. And even his like style makeover, he's wearing a lot of like pants, wide leg pants suits that are pink and florals and all kinds of. So he's very inspired by that sort of decade of of music. And so I think it's a really great first solo effort considering he did come from like a boy band thing and now he's branching out solo for the first time. But and I think I anticipate him getting a lot better it's a really good starting point but i can see him becoming like a an icon in 10 or 15 years i feel like everyone has everyone who's coming from or exiting a boy band situation and going solo mm-hmm. justin timberlake's really the bar right right but i also feel like harry is I don't want to say more authentic because people are going to yell at me for saying that, but <laughs> <laughs> like Justin, he, he kind of did a, a lateral move from like a pop boy band into like a pop career. This is a bit more of like a pop to classic rock, which is, I don't think as common and to do it that well, I think is not common at all. So, you know, I feel, I feel like he's got a really strong future in front of him as a solo artist for sure what are you working on this week what am i not working on this week week? (laughs) um i literally have seven stories scheduled for next week but um the biggest one i guess would be red hot chili peppers they're in town on friday so i'll be writing some kind of concert preview for that and doing a review on friday night um Cirque du Soleil is going to be putting up the big top tent out on Keniston and Sterling Lion on friday so I'm not sure if I'll be covering that or if someone else will will be going, but that's going to be cool when they raise the tent. Yeah, lots of stuff coming lots up for stuff. sure. Lots of concerts and everything, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, ramping up for the summer mm-hmm. um, before I'm kind of disappearing into projects land before I go on holidays. Yeah. But I have, um, every month I've been doing these features about different things going on in the Cinnamon Park for the year. So kind of doing like four seasons in the park. And for May, I'm focusing on pollinators. So bees. Bees bees but also butterflies mm-hmm. and regular flies and wasps Ugh. i learned some of the lesser known pollinators but pollinators nonetheless um and then learned a lot about the food aspect so there's also the preservation of pollinators who of mm-hmm. course are threatened and in danger but also food production so learned a lot about honey nerd so that yeah i like to i like to nerd <laughs> out on, on geeky geeky subjects so that'll be for uh, tuesday's paper 
And as always, you can find everything we've written um, in the physical paper, but also at uh, winnipegfreepress.com. And you can follow us both on social media. I am at Naya Rabble, which is my name backwards. And I am at Jen Zerati. And thank you for joining us. Thank you.